again and welcome everybody back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 85. I'm, of course, Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Burton. And we welcome you coming off the heels of last week's double dip into the Atlantic Coast Conference and the Southeastern Conference, where we unofficially said that Syracuse on my end and Kentucky would reign supreme in them conferences. Peyton, who'd you have again? I had the Volunteers of Tennessee winning the Southeastern Conference. And on the Atlantic Coastal Conference, I had Duke and Coach K reclaiming their title on the throne of the ACC you know, Conference. It still tickles me that you call it the Atlantic Coastal Conference when it's Why just not? the coast. I you had the AL. So Why not? Me. What does it matter? It don't matter. It's basically the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. It tickles me every time. But Peyton, before we get into today's action where we double dip again into the Big Ten and Big 12 conferences, I just want to bring up something real quick. What's up? So I was watching something on Facebook prior to recording to kind of get myself in the mood, and I stumbled upon the best tradition of all of sports, and I firmly believe that. Something that I feel like we have great traditions in college basketball. Like, don't get me wrong, right? There's nothing like when Kentucky and Louisville, after a game, the crowd sticks around for my old Kentucky home. There's nothing like you know, Duke, Carolina, or whatever, right? Yeah. Some of these great traditions. Um, you know, Notre Dame's fight song or Tennessee playing Rocky Top a million times during basketball games or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Peyton, there is – the one thing that college basketball is missing is that massive atmosphere. Maybe it's because college football has, you know, stadiums that fill 60, 70, 80, sometimes 90 and 100,000 people in them. But the greatest tradition of all of sports, and I get goosebumps every time, legit every time, is at Lane Stadium in Virginia Tech when the Hokies have a home football game and they come out to enter Sandman and the whole entire stadium, 66,000 strong, are jumping up and down to enter Sandman. And when it comes time to hit the course, exit light <laughs> and Take my hand. Off the Neverland. Well, literally, everybody's doing that, dude. I, I'm getting goosebumps just me and you singing it right now. Yeah. I think college basketball needs something like that. Like, wh- why don't Wisconsin people, you know, I know it's fourth quarter in football, but why can't they, during like the last 10 minutes of basketball or something, during a timeout, why can't they do jump around to bring the noise and energy? The yeah. Cole Center is massive home and court advantage anyways. Imagine the, you know, the crowds jumping, doing jump around, jump, jump, jump around. You know what I'm saying? Like we're missing that college basketball. And I don't know how the closest thing I think we come to it is down at Grand Canyon. Have you ever seen their atmosphere down there at Grand Canyon? I don't think so. No, Google I have not. When Dan Marley was, you know, first uh, they became D1 and he was the coach and it's continued now down there with uh, Bryce Drew. They only have what, like, I don't know, 5,000 people in the stadium because it's not a big gym, but they get loud and they're jumping and they're all, I think it's because they're useful, a lot of them, but they're loud. They have one of the best atmospheres in all of college basketball. The thing is, and I 100% agree, college football seems to have some of the greatest traditions in all of sports. Obviously, in a Sandman for Virginia Tech, when they do the intro, is iconic. And especially for me, because I'm a huge Metallica fan, and I know you are as well. But this is other traditions like Florida State when they do the one chant is 
awesome. Uh, Iowa, the Hawkeyes, when they do their, when they wave at the fans or the people in the hospitals, mm -hmm. that's right next to the stadiums. Uh, Penn State, when they have the whiteout game, it's uh, LSU at night. There's a lot of great traditions. Oh, Clemson's walk-in is really good as well. Uh, there's a lot of great traditions in college football that I wish we had some of it in college basketball. Unfortunately, we don't. And the closest thing we got is Rocky Top when they play it, but they play it way too damn much. But, yeah, that's the closest thing we got, I guess. Yeah, and that's no spite to, like, the Cameron Crazies. Of course, they're right on top of you. It seems like in our sport, the smaller the venue – the more electric it is. I know it sounds crazy, but like Cameron only holds oh. like 10,000 people, right? Grand Canyon, like five or six or whatever it is. And so it feels like the smaller the venue, the more raucous it can get. Now, that's not to say, that's not to say that Rupp Arena or, you know, Chapel Hill or Lawrence, because Lawrence is always breaking the Richter scale and decibels, but they will get loud, but it's not like that crazy atmosphere from start to finish normally, unless it's a big game. I mentioned Rocky Top, and I'm glad you just mentioned Lawrence because I actually just thought about that. But they do have a great tradition as well. Whenever they're up and they know they're going to win with like a minute left to go in the second half, everybody in the stadium or the arena and out in the field house will start doing the rock chalk chant. And I know Cook, he's experienced that before, and he's talked about that before on our podcast. But that's another great tradition in college basketball. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, excuse me. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, college basketball is void of it. It's just you see something like that, and you just it gives you goosebumps. I, I can't help it. It gives you goosebumps. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Hold on, today. hold up, hold up. Before we move on and talk about what we're going to talk about today, since we're all on this little football thing, Josh, question for you. How does it feel to finally be a football school for Kentucky? Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having the, so much fun on Saturdays. This team is lights out playing. The, they're not always playing their best football. Last night I thought it was more of a complete performance, but Man, they're they're humming right now. They're clicking, and I'd imagine here in a couple hours when the AP poll rolls out, you're going to see Kentucky in the top ten. Should. They should be. They whooped uh, my LC Tigers ass last night, 42-21. We just didn't do anything against y'all. But, uh, yeah, I, know, I just thought that was funny. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, but let's get back to the topic at hand today. We are here to preview, double dip into the Big Ten and Big 12 conferences. Let's go ahead and start in the Midwest, Peyton. Let's start with the consensus number one toughest conference in all college basketball last year, coming back for the crown again this year. Let's go to the Big Ten. Looking at last year inside the Big Ten conference, Michigan wins the regular season crown going 14-3. and three. What a job Juwan Howard has done with that program in the two years he's been there. He's taken what was left before him, which was – a great foundation, by the way. John Beeline left him tremendous opportunities, and all Juwan's done is take the ball and ran with it. Michigan is a perennial power again. They win the conference last year, 14-3. and They go outright champs. But in the Big Ten tournament, Peyton, it was A.U. Donsuma's fighting Illini coming up the victors. A.U. Donsuma was one of the most fun players to watch last season. He was a high scorer. 
uh, dropped by like 20 plus almost every game he was in. Very Kobe like. I'm not comparing him to Kobe. I'm just saying he has a lot of Kobe traits that I like to see. And he was just a big time scorer for Illinois. And uh, they had great success last season. They started the year off kind of poorly. Didn't really, they couldn't really find the footing. But once A. Donsum and Kofi Coburn and um, Andre Cabello and Adam Miller and guys like that, once they started to step up, Illinois was at the top of the conference very, very soon. And they were playing really well. Yeah, and the conference as a whole last year, Peyton, you know, they were tough. I don't even think that's the right word to describe it. It's a grind every year in the Big Ten. But when you put in the fact that teams like Michigan and Illinois and you know, Wisconsin kind of hung around and, you know, Michigan State, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> Ohio State had a good year. You know, the, the conference was by far the number one conference and consensus and on Ken Palm, which does the, you know, the rating statistical side of it. What a tough ass conference last year. 100%. Big Ten is always at the top of every conference for, at the politics conferences. They're either number one or the number two. They really, especially top three almost every season. And that's a great thing for college basketball fans. It might not be a good thing for Big Ten fans because the thing about that is, and it happened especially last season, is that they just beat each other up so much that when they get into the NCAA tournament, they're all worn out. And you've seen what happened to Illinois. I think they lost in the second round. Um, Wisconsin. Yeah, Loyola beat them, knocked yes, them out. that's right. Loyola Chicago beat them in the second round. And Illinois was a team that potentially could have got to the Final Four, was one of the top seeds in the nation, or heading into the tournament. Um, Ohio but, State got taken out as a two seed in the first round. Michigan but, got taken out by, I think, UCLA, if I remember yep. correctly. Yep. Um, so, Iowa yeah, so, got beat. The Big, Ten, the Big Ten put nine schools in the NCAA tournament last year and didn't have a single one of them reach the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah. that's what Not I'm saying. Not one of them. But this is a bounce-back year. After a year like that, we are introducing three new head coaches into the league. Micah Shrewsbury takes over at Penn State. Ben Johnson replaces uh, Richard Patino in Minnesota. And, of course, Mike Woodson takes the helm in his former alma mater where he was an all Big Ten caliber player for the Hoosiers. Three new coaches in the conference, Peyton. They're coming in to the gauntlet known as the Big Ten. Let's go ahead. Before we move on to predictions for this year, let's take a quick look back at last season's award winners inside the Big Ten conference. And, of course, we have to start with the most valuable player, the Big Ten player of the year was none other. And I thought it was a tight, tight race, by the way. It could have went either way. Ultimately, it landed with player of the year going to Iowa's Luca Garza. Peyton, it was a super close race between him and Ayo Donsumo. What you could, I know I predicted, I said Luca Garza should have won it, but if they would have gave it to Ayo Donsumo, I would not have complained at all. They both deserved it. If anyone deserved it more, it probably would have been maybe Ayo Donsumo, but I still stand the fact that Luca Garza was one of the best players in the nation last season uh he was a very good scorer he didn't really he had good shot blocking ability I know I compared him a lot last season to Chris Porzingis, uh just because how well he can get outside the paint and hit some shots from the three ball and uh his ability to block shots and especially down low he's a force inside he definitely was one of the best players last season and he carried the Iowa squad but if you would have gave it to Adrian Suma 
I would not have said anything bad about it because they both deserved it, in my opinion. Defensive player of the year inside the Big Ten last year was Daryl Morsell from Maryland. Freshman of the year, no surprise to really many, is Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. Yep. Sixth man of the year is Andre Corbello from Illinois. He was tremendous off the bench coming in for spells with Aodon Sumu and Adam Miller. And then, of course, coach of the year, Peyton, was Jawan Howard from Michigan. I think well-deserved. It's talking about the freshman of the year, Hunter Dickinson. That was actually a kind of surprise to me. I don't know if it was a surprise to you or not, but coming into the season, he was a five-star coming in from Michigan. Um, he did really good in his last season or his senior year in high school, but he still had a lot of learning to do. He wasn't really that confident for his outside shot. He had, he was good inside the paint, but he still wasn't polished inside the paint. But once he got to Michigan, it's like, I don't know what happened to him, but he just developed insulin and just started dominating, especially early on in the season. And, yeah, he definitely surprised me a lot last year. I did not expect him to be as get- good as he is coming in. Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to J.R. hopped in the, the uh, Facebook group with us. Thanks for joining us live. Hopefully, we'll start more people roll in. It's kind of a new thing that we're trying out here. I know it's going to take time, but hopefully we'll get more people as we go. Peyton, though, let's look ahead to the Big Ten this season. Let's get into our predictions. First, starting with the superlatives. Peyton, I'll let you take first volley. At the end of the year, Big Ten Player of the Year goes to... This... What's very, very tough is I had three options I could have went with. But ultimately, I went with Kofi Coburn from Illinois. He is coming back for his sophomore year. And I dare someone to tell me there's a better big man in the nation than Kofi Coburn, or at least most dominant big man that's coming in or coming back for this season. He is going to help this Illinois squad tremendously. He had a great freshman year last year. He ultimately probably could. He he was definitely a candidate for freshman of the year. But ultimately went to Hunter Dickinson. But Kofi Coburn is a big-time force, and I dare someone to tell me otherwise. So my play of the year goes to Kofi Coburn from Illinois. I think that's a, that's a fair enough pick. I'm actually going with a player who I think he's come back for his junior year. He has – NBA caliber potential. His father was a big time player for the Indiana Pacers. I'm talking about none other than Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana. Peyton, we've seen in two years what he's been able to do. His one weakness and knock on him is that he's not a very good shooter, especially from the outside. We've heard rumblings already this summer that with new head coach Mike Woodson and assistant coaches Dane Fife, that he has been told to, if he has the shot, take it, and that his three-point percentage in the summer has looked a lot better. If TJD adds this a dimension to his game, he becomes such a threat that I don't think you can stop him because we know his post-game's there. We know his mid-range game's there. We know he can take you off the bounce. If he adds a three-point shot to his arsenal, Peyton, that is signed, sealed, and delivered Big Ten Player of the Year caliber to me. So I'm going with Trace Jackson Davis as my Big Ten Player of the Year this year. He was definitely a candidate for me, 100%. He was one of those guys I was talking about. So, move on to Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. I'm staying in the state of Indiana, but I'm going up to West Lafayette. I'm going to Eric Hunter Jr., the senior guard from Purdue. He's been a good defender, but I think in his senior year, expected to take the role as the leader, especially playing for Matt Painter. You're going to see Eric Hunter. He's in top 15 in the conference last year in steal percentage. I think you're going to see an uptick in that where he's going to be top five in the conference. I could see him averaging about a steal and a half to two steals a game. You know, 
three or four defensive rebounds, and that's going to be – you're at the – if I could spit it out, <laughs> you're going to see him at late stages of the game too defending other teams' best players, specifically ball handlers. I'm taking Eric Hunter Jr. on a hunch that he develops into that traditional Purdue caliber defender by his senior year. So Eric Hunter Jr. is taking on defensive player of the year for me. My defensive player of the year goes to the Ohio State Buckeyes, Jamari Wheeler. He played for Penn State last year, and he is a defensive force. You talk about guys who will get up in you and be able to get a lot of steals and pressure you. He is six foot one, 170 pounds. He's a senior that's coming in for Ohio State this year, and he is going to be a force defensively. So he is my defensive player of the year. Freshman of the year in a conference that has a handful of nice ones to choose from, Peyton. I don't think there's going to be a better freshman this year, maybe in all of college basketball, than Caleb Houston from Michigan. Five-star kid coming out of uh, – hold on, I just lost my notes. He's from Texas, I think, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, Caleb Houston – yeah, that's right. Six-eight guard-forward combo. Well, he's actually from um, Ontario, Canada. Played at Montverde. I was thinking of another player. But regardless, Caleb Houston still who I'm thinking of. Um He's going to see valuable minutes inside this already deep Michigan side. He's that traditional 6'8 guy where he can, if they go bigger, he can actually play guard. If he can, if they go smaller, he can play that forward that stretches out. He's a handful. He was a top 10 nationally rated recruit. Caleb Houston, I think, is going to see big minutes for Michigan and therefore put up big numbers. My freshman of the year, like you said, I mean, it's no debate here. Caleb Houston from Michigan. He's going to come in for this Michigan squad. He's going to get a lot of minutes, a lot of playing time. Probably going to jump right into that starting lineup. And he is going to be a big reason why Michigan will be a close to the top of the conference once again. Um, Big Ten coach of the year. This is going to be spark some debate. I've got an interesting choice. I'm going to take first volley, though. Well... I don't know if J.R. Rowe's still in here, but my Big Ten Coach of the Year goes to Matt Painter from Purdue. Matt Painter has gotten a lot of flack, especially from J.R. Rowe over these last couple of seasons. Hashtag fire Painter. He is going to be at the top of the conference. He has a really talented Purdue squad, very deep, very talented that we'll talk about here later on. He's got some really good players for the Boilermakers. I think he's due for a huge season this year. And my Big Ten Coach of the Year is Matt Painter from Purdue. I'm actually going with a coach. They're going to finish towards the middle of the pack, but I'm going to see marketed improvement from him because you already look at their roster we're going to get to. Their roster is more loaded for a program like this than you would ever expect. I know they're still going to struggle, but I expect them to put up some fight. I, I'm going with my coach of the year, Fred Hoiberg from Nebraska. I think he's trying to build something fun down there like he did with Iowa State. It's just going to take time, but I do expect them. I mean, it's a team that went 2-18 and 18 in conference last year, so there's only room to go up, and he's got the talent to do it. So I'm going to say Fred Hoiberg's my coach of the year. Nice. Did not expect that. Most improved player in the Big Ten this year, Peyton. We stay going to the Purdue Boilermakers. Their superstar, Jaden Ivey, coming into a sophomore year. I know it's kind of weird because everybody expects so much out of him, but he had a good enough freshman year. He had definitely had the freshman ups and downs. But if you've seen last year towards the end of the year, especially come tournament time, He's got that mold of just a go-get-it, all-star, playmaker, all-Big Ten caliber, potential pro. 
Um, and I expect to see a huge jump in his sophomore year, especially if the Boilers are going to be as good as everybody thinks they are. So I've got most improved going to Jaden Ivey of Purdue. Well, my most improved play of the year goes to Illinois, and his name is Andre Cabello. Andre Cabello coming in last year as a freshman, he averaged 9.1 points per game, 4.2 assists per game. And if you're wondering why I have him as my most improved player, I'll tell you why. And that's because coming in last year, he was supposed to be AU Donsuma's replacement for this year. He is very, very talented. If he can approve his jump shot, I can see him potentially making a candidate for up there with the Big Ten Player of the Year category. But as of now, I think he's a fantastic player, very good facilitator. He sees the floor really well. Andre Cabello is going to step up his game. He's going to have to if Illinois wants to contend for a conference, a conference title this year. So Andre Cabello from Illinois, my most improved player of the year. Love Corbello's game, by the way. Um, let's go to the all-first-team Big Ten all-conference. I kind of jumbled that up, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, my first-team all-Big Ten, Peyton. TJD from IU, Jaden Ivey from Purdue, Eric Ayala from Maryland. I think it's a guard everybody needs to keep an eye on. EJ Liddell from Ohio State had a great year last year. Expect more of the same. And then, of course, the freshman from Michigan, Caleb Houston, rounding out my all-Big Ten first team. Wow. Okay. We definitely have a couple of the same, but we also have a couple of different opinions. I as well have EJ Liddell from Ohio State. I have Trace, Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana. I got my player of the year, Kofi Coburn from Illinois. I have Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. And a player that you just talked about, I have Jaden Ivey from Purdue wrapping up my Big Ten first team. And then lastly, before we get into the standings and the real predictions everybody's here for, first team all freshmen in the Big Ten, Peyton. Obviously, Caleb Houston's on there from Michigan. Here's a name that I cannot wait to talk about when we get to this team, but Tamar Bates from Indiana. I'll save it, why I think he's special, but I'm telling you, keep an eye on Tamar Bates from IU. Max Christie from Michigan State expected to slide in and get some big minutes. Bryce McGowan's from Nebraska, like I mentioned, Fred Hoiberg. He's one of those five-star kids. Yes, five-star kid going to Nebraska. And then also from the Michigan Wolverines, Musa Diabate. Wolverines are loaded to bear. I have Caleb Houston from Michigan. I have Musa Diabate from Michigan. I have Max Christie from Michigan State. I have Jaden Atkins from Michigan State. And rounding now, I have Bryce McGowans, the younger brother of Trey McGowans from Nebraska. There we go. So there's the superlatives, Peyton. Let's get into what everybody's here for. How the conference is going to shape up. So we're obviously we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the bottom teams, but we'll spend more time on the teams that we think are worthy of it. Let's start at the very bottom, Peyton, coming in 14th and dead last in the conference this year. Who do you got? I have the Golden Gophers of Minnesota. They lose their best player, Marcus Carr. They lose guys like Brandon Johnson, uh, Jamal Mashburn Jr. I'm looking at this list. They lose by like eight players, it looks like. Um, not actually counting, but they lose a lot. But obviously losing Marcus Carr – is a big-time loss for them. And they lost their, goal, their coach, Richard Pitino. I don't really see much of this Minnesota squad. They're going str- to struggle a lot. Maybe they can surprise me. I don't think so. With all the losses they have, they are finishing dead last in the Big Ten. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I think new head coach Ben Johnson is going to have an uphill climb. You mentioned losing Marcus Carr. They also lost the Utah transfer, Bothgak. They lost, you know, to talk about Jamal Mashburn Jr., Liam Roberts, Robbins gave them about 12 points and six and a half boards a game. Brandon Johnson, Gabe Kalsher. Uh, it's a lot of production to lose from a team that ranked sixth in the Big Ten in scoring last year and almost dead last in scoring defense. It's an uphill climb. Literally, they only have two returning players and bring in a whole slew of others uh, to fill out this roster. I think it's going to be an uphill climb. I'm with you. I've got the Golden Gophers dead last in the conference. Moving up to number 13, Peyton, who do you got? I have the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I think Nebraska has the same reasoning for Minnesota. They do have good players, though. I mentioned Trey McGowan, who's the former four-star, played for Pittsburgh. Uh, CJ Wilcher, who's a – was a top 100 prospect in the class of 2020, played at Xavier. Um, Keon Edwards is a decent player. Obviously, Bryce McGowan's coming in, a five-star, is going to help them a lot. But I'm looking at this list. They lose a lot. They lose their lead. It looks like their leading scorer, Teddy Allen, 16.5 points per game. I'm looking at this list. They got a lot of freshmen. Alonzo Vers Jr. is coming back for his senior year, though, 14 points per game. That's going to be good. But it's just not going to be enough for them to get over that hump. So, therefore, Nebraska finishes 13th. Yeah, I've actually got Penn State in 13th. Uh, new head coach coming in. You talked about Jamari Wheeler being gone as the best defender going to Ohio State, which does not bode well for a Penn State team who ranked dead last in the conference last year. Uh, team shooting 53% on the Nittany Lions last year. You lose your arguably your best defender. Not a cause for excitement in that category, Peyton. Again, they do bring back some experience. Seth Lundy's coming back, a kid to average. Uh, he played 25 games, started 15. He averaged 10 points per game, their leading scorer returning. And they bring in uh, transfer Giovanni Scott. But there's a lot of issues with talent and depth here, especially inside of conference like the Big Ten. I've got the Nittany Lions struggling this year, so I've got them in 13th. Let's move up to number 12, Peyton. I have – the Northwestern Wildcats. This is a massive season for Chris Collins because since they broke their streak of first time ever making the NCAA tournament in 2017, since then, they are 29 games under 500. 29 games under 500. And they lose one of their better players in Miller Cop, who transferred into Indiana. It's they do bring back in their in their um, defense. They do bring back a ton of experience. Most of their starters are back or guys who played big minutes. They bring in three freshmen and one grad transfer from Fairleigh Dickinson. So they have some help coming along the way. They will have the experience factor, but Peyton, I just think it's a struggle. I don't think the talent's there. They were mid table in all the Big Ten last year in just about every big category, and they were dead last in offensive rebounding percentage. Um, I think Northwestern is going to have to rely on that experience and hit a bunch of threes if they have any hopes of climbing the top of the Big Ten. My team that you just talked about, ranked 12, is the Penn State Nittany Lightning. Nittany Lions, if I get that out correctly. You mentioned Seth Lundy coming back for the sophomore year. That's a good player. Um, but I'm looking at a guy like Jalen Pickett is the reason why I have them a little bit higher than I do like in Nebraska or Minnesota. Jalen Pickett is a Sienna's second leading scorer. 
um, who's transferring in. He averaged roughly about 13 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game. Uh, with guys like Giovanni Scott coming in, uh, 11.5 points per game. Jaheim Boogie Cornwell coming in from Gardner Webb, 14 points per game. They don't got a lot of depth, like you mentioned, but what they do got, they got experienced players who's been in this uh, college world for at least a little bit. They got a lot of seniors, a lot of juniors, only like two or three freshmen I see. Still not enough to like potentially make a tournament run or get into the top 10. Um, but I think they're a little bit better than Minnesota and Nebraska. So the Nittany Lions, Penn State, 12. So moving up to number 11, I know you're going to roll your eyes here, and I can't wait for it. Okay. We'll number see. 11, I've got falling from grace, the Iowa Hawkeyes. They're losing. C.J. Frederick, Luca Garza, we mentioned the Big Ten Player of the Year and National Player of the Year, Jack Nunge and Joe Wieskamp. Peyton, that is a ton of production from the uh, Big Ten's leading scoring offense last season. They do bring back Jordan Bohanna, both the McCaffrey brothers, both the Murray brothers, uh, Josh Ugandela, Tony Perkins, Joe Toussaint, Aaron Eulis. That's a ton of experience and production coming back. I understand that, but you can't lose – C.J. Frederick, their top defender and shooting guard. You can't lose the nation's best player in Luca Garza. A forward in Jack Nunch, who gave you seven points and five boards a game. And then a guard, Joe Wieskamp, almost 15 points a game and can absolutely stroke from three. I know that with the McCaffreys and Murrays, they're going to be able to continue to shoot the three ball well. But Peyton, that's too much to lose. And I think the Big Ten is really good again this year. I think they fall back down to grace just a little bit before they make the climb back up. I've got Iowa 11. Well, I have Northwestern 11. For all the same reasons you said, boo, boo, how do you, boo, boo, that, we'll talk about him probably, he'll probably be on our all pronunciation team when yeah. we finish the season, because that's a great name. Boo, boo, great name. Uh, 10.3 points per game. Chase Edge, uh, 12.3 points per game. They got a good, they got a good talent coming in and coming back, but, Losing Miller Cops, 11.3 points per game. Hit 34 three-pointers last season. And Anthony Gaines, four points per game, about four rebounds per game. Losing those two, they do got experience, but they're just not enough to crack my top ten. So Northwestern, 11th. And since you already talked about it, same reasons you did. This is why I'm not complaining. My 10th school is the Iowa Hawkeyes. You mentioned all the guys they lost. I don't even have to switch to my notes because I already know about this team. Losing guys like C.J. Frederick and Joe Bohannon. And obviously, Luca Garza is the biggest loss of the season. Um, he was a player of the year candidate for last year and the year before that. Phenomenal player. Losing him, you need talented big man, especially for this year, as that's a lot of good teams in this conference, has a lot of talented big men. And they're just weak on the front court. That's my biggest factor is why I have them 10th for all the same reasons you did. So Iowa Hawkeyes coming in, number 10 for me. Number 10 for me is another one that's probably going to surprise some people, but I have the Wisconsin Badgers falling back down from grace. Team that won 18 games last year, went 10-10 and in conference and beat North Carolina in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Peyton, they lose four big-time pieces and Aleem Ford, Micah Potter, Nate Rivers, and Demetric Trice. They bring back. J, uh, Brad Davison, excuse me, I almost called him JD after the Alabama one. <laughs> <laughs> um, they do bring back um, Brad Davidson, though. If you remember, he's a big time three point sniper from the guard spot. They have three guys returning that shoot 38 or percent better from three. 
But that's Wisconsin's MO, right? They're going to defend you, be physical, and they're going to shoot the three really well. They bring in a bunch of freshmen. They bring in a ton of freshmen. Um, Holy a couple, shoot, A couple do. transfers. They've got Chris Vaught, the 7-1 center senior transfer from Cincinnati. They're bringing in Jacoby Neath, the 6-3 guard transfer from Wake Forest. So they've got help coming in. But, Peyton, if you remember Nate Rivers down low being a beast down low, Micah Potter, and then experienced guard Demetric Trice, that was the straw that stirred the drink for Wisconsin. And then you threw in a Brad Davidson who could shoot Tyler Wall, who was a utility guy. I I fully expect Wisconsin to take a step back unless these transfers like the 7-1 guy and Chris Vaught and Jacoby Neath from Wake Forest come in and have a big-time impact. I just see Wisconsin taking a step back this year before getting back to being Wisconsin basketball. I think they're taking a couple of steps back. 11 freshmen, I just counted, that's coming in for this Wisconsin team. That is crazy. I don't think I've ever seen that before. That is wild, especially in a Power 6 conference like the Big Ten is. But I agree. I have Wisconsin um, playing. I got Wisconsin. Sorry, I, had, I just looked at something different. But I have Wisconsin at ninth. Um, this Wisconsin team, like you mentioned, 11 freshmen. That's just just think about that for a minute. When is any team that brought in that many freshmen in a Power 6 conference? Because I don't actually think I know, to be honest, on the top of my head. That is ridiculous. We're losing guys like Demetri Trice, Aleem Ford, Makai Potter, Nate Wooers. They just lose too much, and they don't have any experience whatsoever with those 11 freshmen coming in. A couple seniors, but that's really it. So Wisconsin, they're at ninth for me. Yeah, ninth for me is Nebraska. We talked about Fred Hoiberg real quick. Um, they do lose a couple of key guys. Teddy Allen, obviously, uh, almost 17 points a game is a big loss. But really, other than that, Peyton, they were bad last year. Let's make no bones about it. They went 3-16 and 16 inside the conference last year. But like I said, Fred Hoiberg has got talent coming back in. You look at the returning guys, Trey McGowan, 6'4", junior. Uh, Jace Piakatowski, Derek Walker, Kobe Webster, uh, Eduardo, Andre, I mean, they've got some guys who have talent and experience, especially Trey McGowan's. And you talk about his younger brother coming in, five-star Bryce McGowan's, Peyton. The, the standard is about to change at Nebraska for basketball. C.J. Wilcher, big-time player from uh, Xavier. Alonzo Verge, the senior tr guard transfer from Arizona State. So just like he did at Iowa State, uh, Fred Hoiberg's leaning on experienced transfers and then bringing in some big-time freshmen. That's why I think this program's heading in the right direction. They're going to be markedly better this year, in my opinion, with the McGowan brothers, with a guy like Derek Walker, with C.J. Welcher, Alonzo Verge. They are, if they play traditional uh, Freddie Hoiberg style, they're going to spread you out. They're going to be exciting and fun. They're scoring offense. They scored 70 a game last year. It was only ninth in the Big Ten. I expect an uptick in that number. I can see them. They're not going to make the tournament, but I can see them going from three wins to about eight. Five game plus five game difference, Peyton, in one year. That's a big improvement. I think we're about to see the rise of Nebraska as being a, at least a thorn in everybody's side in the future in the Big Ten. We'll see. Um, we'll see. My eighth school, this is where I think I get into my tournament teams. Um, and this is a team that you might be a little bit higher on. I know last season you was higher on. I'm By the way, hey, real quick, go Pack Go. It just kicked off. Nice. Yes, definitely go Pack Go. But I think this is a team you was higher on last year, and I definitely wasn't. But this year, I think they're going to be a little bit better. Uh, and that is Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers. We've got the same eighth place team then. Okay, we do. That's great. Uh, with guys coming back like Ron Hope, a junior, who's a junior. 
uh, 15 points per game, posted four double-doubles last year, two against the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, guys like Gio Baker, obviously, who's a fifth-year starter, already has 1,300 points and over very close to 400 assists, uh, 10.4 points per game. Jalen Miller coming in, who's a 6'3 guard freshman, um, played for Bishop Walsh in high school. Don't Defense forget the is- former four-star uh, center in the main in the I'm middle. Yeah, yeah, I'm- so- okay. I'm getting to him. You just let me do my thing. Uh, Clifford Amoy, six foot 11, 240 pounds. If he can turn that into muscle, he can be a Kofi Coburn type of a player, just dominant inside. And that's something that could really put, make this luckish team a very, very talented squad. They got a lot of talent. They lose Jacob Young, lose Miles Johnson, and lose Montez Mathis. Uh, they was they one thing they got to improve. They got to score the basketball more. They was thirteenth in the Big Ten, putting up sixty nine point three points per game. That has got to change. The defense was fifth last year in scoring defense, so that's obviously good. But for them to be a considered tournament team, potentially make that like top five category in the Big Ten, at least get to the top half of the conference, they got to be able to to score the basketball. That is like one of my biggest keys for them. Completely agree. And think about this, Peyton. Team that won 16 games last year, um, 10 and 10 in the Big Ten Conference, went to the second round, and almost they came within a shot of knocking out the two-seeded Houston Cougars, losing 63-60. They were almost a Sweet 16 team last season. They returned their main backcourt guys in Geo Baker, Ron Harper, Paul McCauley, and then Cliff Amorier, this is an experienced deep team. I actually thought about putting them a little higher, but I think with you two, obviously scoring offense, this was a very good defensive team. They were fifth in the conference last year. Teams only scored 67.6 points against them. But as you mentioned, they had trouble scoring the basketball and free throw shooting. They were literally 328th out of 340 schools nationally in free throw per shooting percentage. If they can find market improvement inside their offense, this is a team we both have eighth, but with the experience and talent coming back, could see themselves inside the top five of the conference. But I'm with you. I think this is a borderline NCAA tournament team. And talking about the free throw rows, I forgot to mention that. Ron Harper Jr. was a big key for that because he was, I think, shot 68.3% from the free throw line. Garbage. So he has to... Hit, be able to hit free throws, and them as a team has to be able to score the basketball and hit free throws as well. Absolutely. So let's move up to number seven, Peyton. I'll let you take first volley here. So coming in at number seven, we have the Maryland Terrapins. Maryland, last year, they tied for eighth in the conference with a 17-14 overall record. Big 10 record was 9-11. and I think that's going to prove just a little bit. Um, they got guys. First of all, let me just start with this. Fats Russell, who's a senior, 5'10 guard. Rhode Island. Rhode Island. He scored 15, pretty much 1,600 points at Rhode Island. Big-time player that's coming in for them. They got guys like Eric Alayla, uh, 15.1 points per game. Uh, didn't you – wasn't he on your first team? He is. That's what I thought. I thought you said his name. I went for sure. But he's a big-time player for them. They got a lot of talent. Hakeem Hart. Who's a returning starter? He's a junior, 6'6 guard, 7.1 points per game. He's definitely an outside force for them. And the top returning uh, inside scorer and rebounding, a rebounder, Dante Scott, 
Junior, six foot seven, 11 points per game, roughly six rebounds per game. And not to mention Georgia, or no, I'm going to say Georgia, Georgetown transfer, Cordas Wahab, mm-hmm. six foot 11, 237 pounds, a junior that's coming in for this Maryland squad. That is a huge piece for them. I can see them potentially. I definitely think they're a tournament team. They could potentially sneak out there. This is a sleeper team for me, and I'm calling it right there. Maryland, number seven. Yeah, I can't wait to get to the Terrapins. All I'm going to say, Peyton, number seven. This may surprise you again. We go to East Lansing. I go to Michigan State as number seven. I think this is where the for sure tournament teams start. I think they're, they're going to be a tournament team. But Peyton, a team that went 15 and 13 overall last year, 9 and 11, and then lost in the first four to the eventual final four contenders, UCLA. Peyton, this is a Michigan State squad that loses Aaron Henry, Josh Langford, Foster Lawyer, and Rocket Watts. That's almost 30 points per game that they've lost right there. Look how bad these stats are real quick for a Tom Izzo-led team. 12th in scoring, 10th in scoring defense, 10th in field goal percentage, 12th in three-point percentage, 12th in effective field goal percentage. Defensively, they had some good numbers, though, other than that. Um, They've got down the longest streak in the NCAA after Duke failed to make the tournament. They are – or sorry, second longest streak. They've made 23 straight tournaments now. I think they're going to make another one. Peyton, this is – this is going to be a different Michigan State team again. I don't think they're going to lose 13 games, but they return Marcus Bingham, Gabe Brown, Malik Hall, Joey Hauser, A.J. Hoggard, uh, Matty Suzoko, all guys who have big-time experience in minutes. They bring in Max Christie we talked about. They uh, transfer from Northeastern Tyson Walker, Jay Nackins. So the state team is going to have some experience like Tom Izzo teams always do, but Peyton, they've lost four massive pieces Joey Hauser is going to get his numbers. Gabe Brown's going to be a force in the middle. Marcus Bingham. It's going to be old school Michigan State basketball, I think, where they're just going to try to out physical you, try to keep it low scoring, and see what happens. But just on paper this year, I'm not that I'm not that impressed with them. So I have them seventh. I think they're going to be good enough to make the tournament because you just never want to doubt Tom Izzo fully. But I think, man, losing, especially since they were all four guards basically and forwards. And you a team that was 12th in the conference in scoring. I mean, good luck trying to find, you know, replace that. But if anybody can do, I guess it's Tom Izzo. Without a doubt, Mr. Munch, um, as we dubbed him a couple of years ago. But Josh, question. Are you ready for me to try to shake up this podcast a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, because it might. I mean, we'll see. But coming in from my sixth squad, is the Indiana Hoosiers. Listen, guys, I know there's a lot of IU fans in our Facebook group. Last year, I picked them as, I think, the runner-ups. I know I had them top three last year, and I ended up biting the bullet and was totally wrong on the IU squad, which is just, it was just not good enough uh, to even make the tournament last year. They got a new coach, Mike Woodson. I'm taking this safe route with this Indiana because on paper, this team could potentially, definitely a tournament team, but this potentially could be a top three team in the Big Ten on paper. I completely agree. I've got them six, <clears throat> by the way, too. We got them in the same spot. Okay, cool. But coming in with a new coach, I don't know how he's going to do transition into this college game. I don't know what kind of Indiana squad we're going to get because coming from Archie Miller's squad or his 
was it four years at Indiana he was at? Yeah. The two biggest um, factors on why they won the tournament team, or the biggest faults in his all four years, especially last year, was three-point shooting and free-throw shooting. Last year in the Big Ten, they shot 32.4% from three-point line, which was 11th in the Big Ten, 243rd overall in the nation. Free-throw percentage, 66.5% from the free-throw line. 12th in the Big Ten, 299th in the nation. That has got to change. Defensively, I think they're going to be good. They got guys like Trace Jackson Davis is obviously going to be the main guy that they're going to look for. You mentioned it. He has to be able to take shots. He has to be confident enough to take shots. It seems like he has the green light. If he's open, take it. But he's also a good inside force as well. Rob Fennessy coming back, big-time player. Xavier Johnson, Pittsburgh's transfer, 14.2 points per game, roughly about five and a half assists per game. That is a big-time gift for IU. Guys like Michael Durr, big man, seven-foot big man, not to mention, 8.8 points per game, eight rebounds per game. But I'm not going to talk about all the players because I'm going to save some of them for you to talk about if you want to. But one player that I talked about last year, and I was pissed off that he didn't get playing time, Christian Lander. Mike Woodson, I'm telling you, I told you, I told Indiana fans last year, give this kid a chance. Give him playing time. I don't know how many minutes he averaged last year, but he only averaged 2.1 points per game. He is a very, very talented player. Give him his opportunity, and I'm telling you, you would not be disappointed. But coming out at number six, I got the Indiana Hoosiers. So I'm with you. I'm playing it safe, too, because in my heart, I think, boy, this team could be special, like real good. But you also got to see how Mike Woodson transfers to the college game, because we know as a pro coach, he's tremendous. People love him as a coach. And I think it helps that he's got Dane Fife and, um, oh, the old Ohio State coach. I just went blank. Oh, my God. Old, old Red knows himself. Yeah. Why can't I think of his name? I'm sorry. I'll, I'll think of it here in a second. But regardless, I think that helps. It's going to help his transition. But Indiana, I think another thing that we're not talking about that's going to help them is they got to play a summer game. They got to play a couple summer games down in the Bahamas. And it helps because anytime you get to play them pro teams, oh. no matter how good or bad they are, Thad Mata, right? Yes. Yeah. So no matter how good or bad they are, it gets the help. We've seen the Kentucky teams in the past, Duke, et cetera. Anytime you get to play summer games, it gives you that added like bonding and chance to grow together. Indiana went down and played well against, um, I think it was the Betamax or Begamax or whatever they were. So we know their struggles. You mentioned Indiana's struggles under Archie Miller. They tried to defend. They were at times really good defensively but they abandoned their three-point shooting. Peyton, they were terrible again, 32.4% from the three-point line. That's not Indiana basketball. So Indiana is going to have to figure this out. I'm glad you mentioned um, Xavier Johnson from Pittsburgh, big-time player coming over from the Panthers. Also, we talked about Miller Cop coming in from Northwestern, a big-time shooter, 6'7", Ford, who's going to help fill it up from deep. Some of the returning players, Trace Jackson Davis, Christian Lander, Anthony Leal, we've seen be able to shoot. Rob Fennessy is a junior point guard now. Trey Galloway, we've seen uh, – sorry, he was a freshman. I'm sorry, coming in. Uh, Jordan Geronimo. Like, we have some pieces. Race Thompson coming in. The Indiana has got coming back. And then Tamar Bates. I talked about him earlier. 
five-star kid coming over from IMG Academy, the tremendous uh, hoops factory down there in Florida. This kid, I heard in the summer, rave reviews. I heard when they went down to the Bahamas, Trace Jackson Davis and everybody raving on him just about how talented he is. They're calling him a pro. They said he is NBA caliber good. And if he translates to that into the regular season here for IU, IU's cooking with gas now. Um, I think that's another big-time guard that gives them explosivity. If he learns how to defend under Mike Woodson's system and can develop like they're talking about, Peyton, you add another pro to this Hoosier team, and now they're really special. But I'm with you. We're playing it safe. They do lose three big-time guys, and Al Durham, who transferred out to – where did he go? I've seen it was a Big East team. Providence. He's at Providence now. Armand Franklin to Virginia, and then Jerome Hunter went to Xavier. But they've got a lot coming back. I'm. I think this IU team could be really good. I think this is the year they break the streak and make it to back to the tournament. I 100 agree. I think they're a tournament team. Just gotta play it safe though, and see how uh, Mike Woodson, see how what his coaching style is going to be like, and how they're going to play as a team. Completely agree. Uh, Let's move on to the top five quickly. Fifth, Peyton. I have Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, you know, they do lose Musa Jallo. He wouldn't, I guess he's not that big of a loss, but CJ Walker and Dwayne Washington are big pieces they're losing. But Peyton, this is a very deep team coming back for Chris Holtman's club, who won 21 ball games last year, a two seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Justin Aaron's coming back, Eugene Brown the third, Michi Johnson, Zed Key, even though he only started one game, he played in all 31. EJ Liddell, big time player we talked about, Justice Suing. Started all 31 games. Kyle Young, Seth Towns. This is a very talented team. They do bring in Indiana transfer Joey Brunk. He's not going to offer much from production, but he's going to be another big body down low for for rotation minutes. You talk about Jamari Wheeler coming over from Penn State, a big-time defender. And also, they bring in Cedric Russell, transfer from Louisiana, who uh, averaged 17.2 points per game last year for the Raging Cajuns. Peyton. Oh, and I can't forget uh, Malachi Branham too is a top forty playmate or top forty player in the this most recent recruiting class. So there's a lot of talent, a lot of experience. This is going to be another uh, Chris Holtman special Buckeye team. I think just staying consistent, defending all the time, and continue to you know guys like um, EJ Liddell and Seth Towns, Kyle Young, Just Suing, be able to score the basketball. This is a big team too. Look at all the six six guys they have. Literally, 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'2", 6'8", 6'7", 6'3", 6'6", 6'8", 6'5", 6'11", 6'8", 6'2", 6'1". This is a big Ohio State team. I think be able to uh, defend like Holtman wants and get out and put some numbers up. They scored 77 points a game last year and only gave up – well, they gave up 71. I think if they can get that number down a little bit lower, you know, Ohio State's a team that could be back in a two-seed conversation. So, so my top five, my fifth team is a team that apparently you're not high on, but I'm definitely am, and that's the Michigan State Spartans. Why? It's because Tom Izzo is Mr. March, and I've learned over the years of playing him in the tournament and in the Big Ten ACC Challenge to never doubt Tom Izzo. Here's a little bit of a – it's not really a stat, but it's an interesting thing that I'm on Kempom and I was just thinking of. Every time – that Tom Izzo has an off year, the next year he bounces back with 
a lot of great talent, has a really good year. Example, 2017 squad, Michigan State finished with an overall record of 20 and 15. They was a nine seed in the tournament, and they got bounced by Kansas by 20 points in the second round. What does he do in the 2018 campaign? He comes back with a 30 and 5 overall record. He, I'm looking at this, he won like 12, 14, something. He won like 15 games in a row last season or in the 2018 squad. Uh, 30 and 5 of a record, and there was a three seed. And obviously, last year, terrible year, got knocked out by UCLA in the play-in game. When do we learn? When would? When do we ever see Michigan State in a play-in game? Uh, they finished 15 and 13 overall last year. Just an overall, just a terrible year for Sparty or for Tom Menzo's Michigan State Spartan squad. But uh, this year, they're looking to bounce back, and I think they're going to. They have a lot of talent. A.J. Hoggard is a former five-star. Joey Hazard coming back is a big-time player. Mady Sisko is looking to have a bounce-back year. Malik Hall had a pretty good sophomore year. He only had an average 15 points or five points per game, but 4.2 rebounds per game. I'm looking at him to have a big year. Marcus Bingham Jr., looking at him to improve a lot. Um, but the guys they got coming in, Max Christie, Illinois, Mr. Basketball, scored over 2,100 career points in high school. 24 points per game, 10 rebounds per game. Is that not enough for you? Pierre Brooks II, Michigan's Mr. Basketball, led team to Division IV state title, 33.1 points per game, 10.7 rebounds per game. And not to mention guys like Jaden Atkins, who can flat out score the basketball. Tyson Walker coming in, who at Northeastern was a first-time CAA and Defensive Player of the Year, 18.8 points per game, 4.8 assists per game. This team is very talented, got a lot of very talented freshmen coming in with guys, experienced guys coming back. I'm looking at this Michigan State squad and thinking, this team is definitely a tournament team, but this team could surprise a lot of people. And I think this Michigan State squad is going to be very, very good this year. So moving up real quick to number four, I'm not going to speak a whole lot on it because you've already mentioned them prior, but I have Maryland Terrapins. I actually like this team. They did lose the defensive player of the year, Daryl Morsel, and they lose Aaron Wiggins, who gave them about 15 a game. But we talked about Eric Ayala, Peyton, uh, 15 points a game. Dante Sout, 11 coming back. Hakeem Hart, seven points. And then you talked about Fats Russell, big time guard from Rhode Island that's going to come in and solidify that backcourt. And then Quadas Wahab, the 6'11 junior from Georgetown, big physical presence inside in the paint. I'm really surprised he left Patrick Ewing in Georgetown, to be completely honest. But what's Georgetown's loss is Maryland's gain. I like this team. And last year, Maryland, 16, only 16.7% of the time did they have a turnover on its possessions. It's tied for the lowest mark in Mark Turgeon's era, or sorry, Mark Turgeon's tenure which means they took care of the basketball. I think bringing in an experienced guy like Fats Russell, Eric Isle on the backcourt, Hakeem Hart, they take care of the basketball again. I expect big things out of Maryland. I have them finished in the top four, so they're fourth for me in the conference this year. 
My fourth team may surprise a lot of people, but I have my reasoning for it, is the Illini of Illinois. Illinois, with my player of the year, preseason player of the year, Kofi Coburn coming back. After he flirted with going to the draft, and he originally put his name in the transfer portal. I don't know if a lot of people remember that, but he definitely did. He was looking at options to potentially transfer to another team. Why? It's because mostly his two the two assistant coaches – Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman both left Illinois and went to Kentucky. So he was looking to maybe change scenery a little bit, but he decided to just stay. Andre Cabello, my most improved player of the year. He's looking for a big-time year this this season um, with guys like Trent Frazier, who's always scored over 1,400 points per game. He hit 55 three-pointers last year, 10.2 points per game. Uh, this team is very, very talented. You could potentially put them in the top three category. I wouldn't doubt it. You could potentially even make an argument for them being at the top of the conference, and I wouldn't say anything bad about it. This Illinois squad is very, very talented, and especially if they can keep their success like they were last year with shooting the basketball and scoring, this Illinois squad can go very, 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 very deep. So Illinois, number four. I have a one spot better than that. I have in the line I third. You talk about the players they lose. Georgia Bezina Shavili, Ao Donsuma, and Adam Miller are all gone. This is a team that led the con- or sorry, was third in the conference in three point per three point shooting, shooting 37.3%. They're going to continue that, I believe, because returning they have Trent Frazier shooting 36%, Jacob Grandinson, 41.5%. And then how about this? Senior guard DeMonte Williams started 17 games last year for the line. I hit 54.7% from three. He's coming back. Also, how about the newcomers? You bring in a freshman guard, Brandon Podzimski, 6'5 guard that's going to try to fight for some backup minutes. But also, Alonzo Plummer from Utah, 6'1 grad transfer senior. He was in the ranked in the top of the nation in three-point per shooting. Three-point shooting percentage shot 38.3%. So that's going to add to that already stacked backcourt shooting lineup. And Omar Payne, the big man from Florida who's physical and uh, can score around the rim and defend, I think Illinois, they're going to have a small drop-off, but this Illini team is still going to be a handful. So my third team, live Ohio and the you are, is the Buckeyes of Ohio State. Ohio State, they lose guys like Dwayne Washington Jr., and they lose a guy like C.J. Walker, two big-time pieces for last year's squad. But they bring back E.J. Liddell, who is potentially could be a player of the year candidate for the Big Ten. He was on my all-first team for the Big Ten Conference. Um, bring back guys like Kyle Young, who, if he stays healthy, I don't know, because he ended up having a concussion. He was out for the final three games of the Buckeye season last year. So if he can stay healthy... Uh, that's be a big time for us. Another person that needs to stay healthy is a guy like Joey Brunk. Last year, he played for Indiana, but his season got cut short because he had to get back surgery for, I think, bruising on his back or something like that. So he had to get back surgery. If he stays healthy, that's a, a good, uh, experienced player for Ohio State. But you lose a guy like Dwayne Washington Jr., who I mentioned already. What do you do to replace him? You bring in a grad transfer, Cedric Russell, who drilled 266 three-pointers for the Raging Cajuns. 
17.2 points per game. He hit 76 three-pointers last season. That is ridiculous. So they got a lot of talent, I think, in this Buckeye squad. If they would have brought back Dwayne Washington Jr., by the way, I would make an argument for them to be at the top of the conference. But since they lost him, they're ranking as number three for me. So now the question is, we've got two teams left. Who's number one and who's number two? Both of them, I think, are final four good. Both of them, I think, actually could win the national championship, if you want me to be honest with you. I think so. So it's a flip of the coin. So my official rankings, I'm going to number two. This team loses is replacing 59.9% of its scoring from last year's Big Ten title team. But if you look at their history, too, the last five seasons, how great this program has been, Sweet 16, runner-up, Sweet 16, of course, the COVID year, and then Elite Eight last season. Peyton, I'm going to Ann Arbor, the Michigan Wolverines, come in second into the conference. They're going to be great. Like, let's they lose Chandra Brown, Isaiah Livers, Mike Smith, and Franz Wagner. But Peyton, Eli Brooks returns. Dynamic, explosive point guard. Hunter Dickinson in the middle. Zeb Jackson played 16 games like this. Brandon Johns Jr. Terrence Williams the second. But they bring in, my God. We talk about Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston. They, they bring in a loaded group of transfers and freshmen along with a lot of returnees, Peyton. They second in the conference last year from three. They were top. They were no lower than sixth in any of the categories, which was surprising off at the rebounding percentage because as big as they were, you thought they'd be a little better than that. But uh, Juwan Howard's got himself a great team again. I think the key is getting up to speed the guys like Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate. Look how big they could be at one point. Because Houston could play the, the three guard, or you know, play the three spot. He could actually, if he really needed to, play the two guard. At one, at any given time, you could have a lineup with Eli Brooks in there, Brandon Johns Jr., who's six eight, Caleb Houston, who's six eight, Musa Diabate at six eleven, and Hunter Dickinson at seven one. Good God! Oh my God! And the one thing about Juwan Howard's team that you wasn't for sure of is they defend like they will get up after you and super nasty defending they held teams to 65 points per game last year 65 points per game for a team that that was explosive you've seen what they did to north carolina last year like we've seen what they've been able to do i think this team's going to be great i just think that there's one team that's going to be slightly better than them and that's not an optimistic i think they're going to be great but i haven't finished in second so, I flipped my coin for the second, and who's going to win? And for second place, I got the Purdue Bowlemakers. I know we got flip-flopped, but you guys got you got yours different than mine. But you can go either way with either one of these teams. But Purdue, I have them ranking uh, second in the Big Ten Conference. With guys like Mason Gillis coming back, it's huge for them. Eric Hunter Jr. is looking to have a good year for them. 8.5 we, uh, uh, points per game, excuse me. They got a big-time freshman, Caleb Furch, who is Mr. Basketball for Indiana. And a little bit of a trivia question for you, for you, Josh, and maybe everyone here, if, if you guys don't actually know this, but Caleb Furch, in the past 30 years, is only the second player to win the Indiana Mr. Basketball to actually commit to Purdue. Do you know who the other one was? Um, 
And you say in the last 30 years? Yeah, in the past 30 years. The big dog, Glenn Robinson. Uh, Caleb Swanigan. Oh, yeah, that's right. They screwed – that's right. They screwed the big dog and gave Alan Henderson because he was going to IU. That's right. Yeah, Caleb Swanigan's the other one. So only two – in the past 30 years, there's only been two Indiana Mr. Basketball winners to actually commit to Purdue. That's actually a – I don't know if a lot of people knew that. But Caleb first coming in, he's going to probably get a lot of playing time. They are one of the most experienced teams in the nation, and that's why they are on the top or arguments to be at the top of the conference and potentially one of the best teams in the nation. They lose one player from last year's squad, and that's Aaron Wheeler. They bring back everyone else. They bring back a three-point shooter like Sasha Stefanovic. They bring in Travion, bring back Travion Williams, big-time force for them, 6'10", 265 pounds, 11 double-doubles last year. And also guys like Brandon Newman, who I'm looking for him to have a big-time year because he was supposed to be the guy for last year's squad until Jaden Ivey started doing what he was doing, and he started to blossom as a big-time star for Purdue. So I'm looking at that little one-two punch between Ivy and uh, Brandon Newman to be nasty. Um, Zach Day coming back. It's uh, He's seven foot four. Holy shit, I just realized that. I forgot about that. But uh, yeah, this, this squad, you can make an argument for them to be in at the maybe, maybe top five good. I'd make an argument for it. Definitely top 10. But Purdue coming out at number two for me. So, obviously, I have Purdue winning the conference. Peyton, you look at Matt Painter's record over the last five years, and we're going to throw out 2020. Well, I mean, I guess because – so just listen. Last five years in the Big Ten, 14-4, and 15-3, and 16-4, and 9-11, and 13-6 and last year. He absolutely knows how to win damn ballgames inside the conference. It's just getting to the NCAA tournaments where he's been the struggle. But – this is going to be arguably his best team ever, ever, including the Jawan Johnson, Etwan Moore, and Robbie Hummel days. You mentioned Aaron Wheeler is the only guy they're replacing, and they bring back everybody. Zach Eady, Mason Gillis, Jaden Ivey, Eric Hunter, Ethan Morton, Brandon Newman, Sasha Stefanovic, Isaiah Thompson, Travion Williams. Oh, and let's bring in a pair of four-star kids from the state of Indiana, Caleb First and Trey Kaufman, and a really good, talented kid from Carmel, Brian Waddell, which his dad played there, too, with Matt Painter in Purdue back in the early to mid-'90s. This is a loaded Purdue team. And, Peyton, what's the one trademark of Purdue basketball under uh, Matt Painter? They defend really well. They're going to defend, and they're big this year, and they're going to defend. The one key for me, I think, is just – consistently shooting the ball from three. They shot 33.3% last season. Not the greatest mark, not terrible, but not the greatest. Peyton, if they can shore that up with guys like Stofanovich and Brandon Newman gets some more run and uh, Eric Hunter, he only shot 27% from three. Mason Gillis shot a good 35%. But if they get some help, Isaiah Thompson shot 39%. But if they get some help from three, if they can bump that up to about 35, 36%, this team, I'm telling you, I know Boiler fans are so feel like they're cursed and everything else, but they are deep, so they're not one player reliant. If something were to happen, they have replacements that are ready to go and talented four star kids, five star kids. Um, this other than three point shooting consistently, there's not a hole in this Purdue t- this Purdue side. And I'm excited to watch them because I think they are legit 
Final Four contenders, and depending if they fix that three-point shooting, national championship contenders. Well, it's no surprise here if you guys have been keeping up with us. I have Michigan winning the conference. And I'm going ahead and say right now, I th- even though I have Michigan ranked higher than Purdue, and I think they'll probably share the Big Ten title this year. Uh, that's just how good both of these teams are. You can go Michigan number one, go Purdue number one. It's no argument for me. Uh, you ain't going to get no complaints from me. I think they'll probably share the uh, Big Ten title this year, but – Hunter Dickinson coming back from Michigan after having a, I would say, a surprising uh, freshman campaign last year. 14.1 points per game, 7.4 rebounds per game. Zeb Jackson coming back for his sophomore year, who's very athletic. Um, Terrence Williams, a second, coming back, who's a very good rebounder for them. They lose, obviously, guys like Franz Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, um, Mike Smith, but they bring in two very, very talented freshmen, Musa Diabata and uh, Caleb Houston, to replace those guys. This just Michigan squad is going to be very, very talented. They got a lot of experienced players coming back, along with two very, very talented freshmen coming back, or coming in, excuse me. This Michigan squad, Dewan Howitz had a hell of a first two years uh, with this Michigan Wolverine squad, and he's going to have another great uh, year for them. So Michigan, top of the conference for me. Either way, that's the Big Ten Conference. I think they're going to be the best conference in basketball again. Cannot wait to get to it, Peyton. Before we take a break in the action, though, you know, we just had a big Tyson Fury fight last night in boxing. We've got a lot going on in the pro wrestling world. Peyton, if somebody were to say really be interested in the pro wrestling side of things and kind of want to keep up with the ins and outs of stuff and ask you, hey, Peyton, where's the best place for me to get all my – pro wrestling news at what would you tell them i would tell them or i would send them to conrad cushman because he is the host of the everything pro wrestling podcast everything pro wrestling is a show by the fans wait for it wait for it for the fans and you can find his podcast on all podcast post hosting sites like anchor.fm like spotify google podcast app of podcasts Basically, anywhere you find your podcast out or listen to podcasts, he is on there. And uh, he also has a YouTube channel. So make sure you go to youtube.com and the search bar, type in everything pro wrestling and hit us, hit that subscribe button for me. Absolutely. Go look, give our guy Conrad some love. But Peyton, we spent a lot of time on the Big Ten. Let's catch our breath before we head down to the Big 12 Conference, the home of the reigning defending NCAA National Championship team, Baylor Bears. We'll preview the Big 12, all that and more. And you're listening to episode 85 of the Everything College Basketball Podcast. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Everything College Basketball listeners, what's going on? It's Conrad Cushman from Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And I'm here to let you know how you guys can catch up on all the latest and greatest in the world of pro wrestling. You guys can go to youtube.com, type in everything pro wrestling, give us a subscribe. We are over a thousand subscribers now, and we have achieved a YouTube partnership. 
If you guys want to be in the live chats, come on in, join us, and talk pro wrestling. We record AEW Dynamite every Wednesday. We also talk about WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and your local indies, and much, much more. So make sure you guys are subscribed to Everything Pro Wrestling. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. All of the live streams are transferred right onto there. But enough of me talking about pro wrestling. Let's get you back to listening to everything college basketball. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that first half of the podcast talking about the Big Ten. But now it's time to talk about the Big 12 Conference, or at least what's left of the Big 12 Conference, because we don't know what's going to happen in a couple years with this conference. But you alluded to it at the end of the last segment, Josh, but we are talking about the defending, the waning, defending national champions of the Baylor Bears. Baylor, talk about them for a second. Last year, what a run they had. I mean, I predicted it at the especially probably with uh with the before two months before March that you started, that I predicted Baylor to win the national championship. And I kept on saying every week, every podcast episode, every Facebook Live, every comment about Baylor or Gonzaga that Baylor was the best team in the nation, and they proved me right, and they ended up defeating. Not even defending, they whooped Gonzaga's ass in the national title gun. Whooped them. Literally destroyed them. They started out with like a 24 to, I don't know what it was, like 24-8 very early on. It was ridiculous. Uh, but it did not surprise me at all that Baylor was the best team in the nation. They ended up winning the national title game. What do you take away from Baylor's run last season? Um, how great Scott Drew had built that roster and got them to buy in because we knew for a number of years that Baylor always had talent. And for one reason or another, they just faltered, whether it be three point shooting or maybe they were great defensively and couldn't score. Or maybe because they've always been a great offensive rebounding team. Maybe <laughs> it's always been something right. Yeah. But last year he had a squad and let's just be honest. The transfer portal came into a big deal. That Those transfers, um, Jared Butler had transferred in, yep. Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague, like all those guys had been transfers elsewhere and then settled in at Baylor, and he made it work. I mean, you look, we know ooh, th- that team was so great. They, were, they scored 82.9 points per game and gave up 65.5. That's a plus 17 margin. That's an average. If you just average that out every game, they're <clears> winning <throat> by at least 17 points a game just off those averages. That's unheard of. Yep. Like insane. And what they did to Gonzaga, like we knew, you and I knew, and yet you're correct. You blew their horn a little earlier than I did. I knew they would be good. I just didn't buy into it because of past failures. 
But what they did, Gonzaga had an all-time historic offense, scoring like 102 points a game, right? Yep. And what happened in that national championship? Baylor got up in them and punched them in the mouth and then punched them again and kept punching them. It was tremendous. And not just defensively where, like, you're like, oh, well, they held the game where, you know, it was 45 to 20 like a Virginia would. They're like, no, we're going to beat you up defensively and we're going to continue to hit threes and just run you out of the gym. They embarrassed Gonzaga. (laughs) And that's who Baylor was all year last year. They had one loss in conference. Yeah, that that team was so great and epic. I feel like we were privileged to watch them last year. I think, and you just made a good point that maybe they didn't win the national championship game, or they didn't beat up Gonzaga or whoop Gonzaga's ass in the national title game, just because how good they were in offense or how good they were in defense. No, they beat Gonzaga up. They bullied Gonzaga. Gonzaga early on in the season, when they played West Virginia, they nearly could have got beat in that game. Why? It's because Oscar Sheboy and guys like Derek Culver were beating them up. Drew Timmy could not handle it. He was very soft. He could not handle it at all. Jalen Suggs did what he could. Corey Kispert went quiet second half of the season. Don't know what happened to him. But that Baylor squad, you mentioned it. And I kept telling people, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn a lot, but it's kind of hard not to when I put pretty much called this before the tournament even started or a month prior before the tournament even started. And even when the tournament started to start, because there was teams like an Alabama or an Illinois that could give Gonzaga a run for the money to potentially knock them off and end the undefeated season. But they got knocked out early. Illinois got knocked out in the second round. Alabama got knocked out in Sweet 16 or Elite 8 or UCLA. I don't know which one it was. Sweet 16. <clears throat> Sweet 16. But and everybody kept saying, like, oh, these teams are out. It's Gonzaga's, they're gonna win. I'm like, nah, just wait until they play Baylor, because Baylor beat them up and offensively it was great. Davion Mitchell was such a fun watch last year. And yeah, they that Baylor squad definitely deserved to win the national title game. But before we get into these big 12 conferences, doing our predictions, Josh, do you have the awards from last year? Yeah, uh, the awards from last year going to the Big 12 Conference. First team, all Big 12. Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell from Baylor. Austin Reeves from Oklahoma. Kate Cunningham from Oklahoma State. And Derek Culver from West, by God, Virginia. Um, Big 12 does theirs weird. I actually have to read through it there. Kate Cunningham, of course, won Freshman of the Year honors. And he, and he won Player of the Year as well. Um Scott Drew from Baylor took coach of the year for the second consecutive season. Matt McClung was the newcomer of the year. Davion Mitchell was defensive player of the year, which was well-deserved. Oh, yeah. And David McCormick got most improved while Texas Kai Jones was chosen sixth man of the year. So I, I, I can't wait to talk about Baylor. And by the way, this got me think. Touchdown Packers, by the way. We just tied this thing up. Let's go. Uh, I, I'm going to go back at some point tonight and rewatch that Baylor, that Baylor Gonzaga game because we've got to talking about. It and I can't wait to go back and just watch Flo Samba and uh, you know Jonathan Chamwe Chachua blocking shots and hitting threes and all this crazy shit Baylor did last year. Yeah, it was ridiculous. They, they were such a good team. They was deep, talented, can defend, can score. There's no wonder they was they beat Gonzaga as, as much as they did. Well, let's look at – oh, my God. 
What what happened? Mason Crosby missed the extra point. Uh damn, that sucks. What's the score? Is it seven six? Seven six. It like knuckled and hit <laughs> the crossbar. But anyways. I hope that doesn't come back to haunt us. But nonetheless, <laughs> of course she is. Of course she is a damn crossbar. Hell, I was probably kicking it for him. Well, I guess not the crossbar. I guess it had been the left post. But, but you know still, I, mean. I hit crossbar posts. I hit everything in FIFA, so it don't matter. <laughs> Burke, sorry, go ahead. Uh, let's move ahead to this year. We obviously Baylor is the national champions from last year. Uh, <clears throat> let's go ahead and look at this year, Peyton. Who do you have as the Big Twelve Player of the Year? A player I was very high on last year, who started off the year off kind of, eh, not really too well, but he finished off strong. Played on a terrible Arizona State team, though. But the Big 12 player of the year is Remy Martin, and he is playing for Kansas. The funny thing is, I know a lot about Remy Martin, but I was looking on this Lindy Sports magazine, and every time they talk about a player in these, they give like a small description of them. And literally, Remy Martin's description is, wait, where'd it go? Uh, Remy Martin, Remy Martin, where'd it go? I don't know where he went, but it says Arizona State transfer loves to shoot. That's actually funny because that's actually very, very true. He shot, I think, roughly about 35% from three last year for Arizona State. I see a lot of Devon Dotson in him. He's very Devon Dotson-like. I don't think he's as quick as Devon Dotson was, but his ability to make plays, he's a very good finisher for how small he is. Um, He knocks down shots. He defends pretty decently. He shoots guys really well. He is probably he. There's a reason, excuse me, that he he was the number one transfer that's coming in this year, and he can score the ball lights out. And he's definitely going to lead Kansas to a very very talented Kansas squad. So player of the year goes to Remy Martin. We're in agreement. I've got Remy Martin as well. Defensive player of the year, Peyton. I'm going to West by God, Virginia. Gabe Osabuyan. I think he is. Say that again. <laughs> Gabe Osabuyan. Okay. And I, I just think under Huggy Bear system, a big guy like that's going to get defensive rebounds, block some shots, <laughs> and be an overall pest in the paint. So I've got Gabe Osabuyan from West Virginia's DPOY. My DPOY, yai, why? I don't want to say I. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Shut up. I, I did not say it. Shut up. Cut that out. <laughs> Cut that out in the post. I did not say that. Um, <laughs> Big 12. See, this is why I don't copy you. I just come to my own stuff. Big 12 defensive player of the year is a player that everybody should be familiar with. His name is Jordan Goldwire from Oklahoma, former Duke transfer. He was one of those big-time players for Duke last year or a couple years ago, especially him and Trey Jones. So he just gets after you defensively. He was a big opponent in Duke's comeback win uh, with the Zion year against Louisville at Louisville. Just defensively, he's just a pass, and he'll get up in you, get a lot of steals, pressure you. Jordan Goldwire, my defensive player of the year. This next category <coughs> is a super hard one because, honestly, there's not a whole lot of big-time candidates for it. But the biggest one is, of course, I got to name the category, <laughs> the Big 12 Freshman of the Year. There's not a whole lot, but I think nope. if you go into the style, he was a top 15 recruit nationally. He's a small four that's going to presumably get a lot of playing time since Baylor is got some holes to fill. I, I'm going Kendall Brown from Baylor. I think he's a big time player. There's just not a whole lot of 
big time freshman to choose from in this conference this year. Nope, I told you that yesterday. I was talking to Sam that this was the hardest category to come with like a freshman team for the Big Twelve and really freshman in the year. But yeah, I agree. Kendall Brown for Baylor is obviously the only candidate to win this award. Um, coach of the year. Um, I'll let you take first volley because I know who mine is. Coach of the year. I don't know when the last time he won this award. Cook or probably could tell me. Um, but I'm going with Bill Self, Kansas. He is coming from one of the worst years in Kansas history, especially in like the last decade. Last year just was not a good Kansas squad at all. But that's definitely going to change this year because they got a lot, a lot of talent. I mentioned Lee Martin's going to be a big factor in that. So I'm looking at Bill Self to have a bounce back year. Yeah, we have the exact same one. I have Bill Self as well. I think that, yeah, Kansas, much like Kentucky's out for revenge this year, and Bill Self's going to have a good year. Most improved player, Peyton. Uh, I'll let you go and take it first. Yeah, my most improved player is Jalen Bridges from West By God, Virginia. Uh, he averaged 5.9 points per game. Um Wait, how many rebounds did he average? Uh, 3.6 rebounds per game. He should have a major role this year as they lose about three players, uh, including a guy like Miles McBride, who he'll definitely fill those roles and he'll get more opportunities to score the basketball. And he'll just have a bigger role this year. So I think you will have a good year. My most improved player playing for a new head coach this year in Porter Mosier, the 6'3 senior, Elijah Harkless. Played 23 games, started 17 for the Sooners last year. Almost 30 minutes a game, just a shade under. Eight points per game, five point, five rebounds per game. But under Porter Mosier, he's going to develop more as a defender. His overall stats and games going to go up, in my opinion. And he's going to have to be a big-time leader for this Oklahoma team that is revamping after losing four big-time pieces. I expect a big-time year for – I almost said Mo Harkless. Elijah Harkless from Oklahoma. First team all Big 12. <clears throat> I've got – you're going to laugh. It's going to be two schools, five players. Three from the Kansas Jayhawks. I've got Remy Martin, Oche Abaji, and David McCormack. And two from the Texas Longhorns, Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen. Well, uh, my five players, the first team is – Two of them, we got two Kansas players, two Texas players. Let's go ahead and start with the Kansas players first. I got Remy Martin, I got Hotea Baji. For Texas, I got Angel Jones, and I got Marcus Carr. And my fifth one is James Akinjo from Baylor. Yeah, I thought about that. He burned me last year to Arizona, so. Yeah, but he'll be playing on a better squad, so. First all-freshman team, this is the hardest category to get five guys, because as we mentioned. I think I got one five-star in the West and, like, four-star. Yeah, same here. I've got Kendall Brown, obviously, from Baylor. I've got Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State. I've got C.J. Nolan from Oklahoma, and then i got a pair of Kansas kids and Zach Clements and K.J. Adams, Jr. Okay, so, obviously, I got Kendall Brown from Baylor. I got Jalen Tyson from Texas. Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State. Uh, and I got two Kansas players. I got Kyle Cuff Jr. and Bobby Pettiford. Oh, wow. You got two different ones than I picked. Yeah. Bobby Pettiford, I don't know if a lot of people remember, he actually committed to Louisville and then decommitted and went to Kansas. I knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah, he's a good player, though. Damn, that sucks for you guys. <laughs> I mean, 
So well. All right. Well, there's only 10 teams inside the conference. You mentioned who knows when a couple years what this conference looked like. Cincinnati. But who all's coming in now in a couple years? Um, one like BYU or something. I don't remember. BYU, UCF, and was it Memphis? No. Uh, no, it wasn't Memphis. I don't remember who it was. I just know BYU is one of them in Cincinnati. Just think, here in a couple of years, Kansas is going to play a home game or an away game at Cincinnati. And I'll be there. <laughs> All right, let's get down to the standings, Peyton. Let's just be honest. The Big 12 is going to be down this year. I think we both agree on that. Three teams, Final Four, the rest. They'll probably get five teams in the tournament. But yeah, that's the what rest I'm thinking. Just not, not anything good. Yeah, the bottom three, let's just save time. I think we both have the same bottom three, and if not, then we'll discuss it. Tenth, eighth through tenth in that order, eighth TCU, ninth Kansas State, tenth Iowa State for me. Eighth Iowa State, ninth TCU, and ten Bruce Weber. Yeah, so we have the same just kind of flip-flopped. I will say with Iowa State, like, it's a struggle. Brand-new yep. coach. Um, they do bring in Kansas transfer, Tristan Anarun. I had no idea he transferred. Yeah. But Peyton, they're, I mean, losing Jalen Coleman, Lands, um, they're bringing in a lot. Like uh, Isaiah Brockington from Penn State, that'll help out. Ty- we talked about Tigers Hunter. That's just a lot, a lot to replace. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a down year for Iowa State for show. Uh, Kansas State, they bring back a lot of people, but it's a lot of people that was on a four-win Big 12 side. Not a whole lot in the way of freshmen and transfers. I mean, I guess they – well, that's they not got Nigel Pack. I'm He's talking – freshman, but yeah. I'm talking about transfers. They do bring in Ismail Masood from Wake Forest and Mark Smith from Missouri. Mark Smith's a good player. Yeah. Having played for Illinois and Missouri. But I, don't, I still don't think it's enough. Do you? Nope, not at all. And then TCU – let me turn my notes here to the TCU – you know, they've got a decent squad. I do like Jamie uh, Dixon as a head coach. They do lose a lot. But, I mean, they bring in Jacoby Coles from Butler. Damian Ball is a good player from Memphis. Remember, he committed to Duke, and then he played for Memphis. That's a good player. Yeah, Micah uh, Peavy. Micah Peavy from Texas Tech. They bring in a pair of guys from Texas A&M. So, if they can get the, those transfers up and running, like a Damian Ball, then they could be interesting. But I just – those three bottom teams, I don't – yeah, I think they're just going to fight for the bottom three spots. Yep, I agree. I think a lot of people would as well. So now let's move up to number seven. <clears throat> this is where things kind of get interesting, but I still don't think they're tournament teams at all. For me, number seven is Oklahoma. We talked about, you know, a new coach in Porter Mosier, great coach at Loyola Chicago. I think he's going to do good things at Oklahoma. Um, it's just, it's going to take him a minute to get his system in. They lost Davion Harmon to Oregon. They lost Brady Manick to North Carolina. Austin Reeves left. So they're losing a lot of production, Peyton. They are bringing in some good guys. CJ Nolan. Um, they're bringing in the Grove brothers from Eastern Washington, Jordan Goldwire from Duke. So I think it's just, it's going to be, you know, how soon can Porter Mosier get these guys defending at a high level? If he can do it quick, then they're going to challenge for a top four spot. And if it takes a little while, then they're going to be down here at seventh. I think Oklahoma is going to be one of these teams this year where you look at them and one night they're competing with Baylor 
and Texas and Kansas and maybe even beat one of them. And then two nights from then, they're going to get beat by a Kansas State. I think yep. that's just how it's going to be this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my seventh school is West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia last year was 19-10 and 10 with the overall record. They was tied for third in the conference. Had a pretty decent year, 11-6 overall record in the Big 12. But this year, they lose guys like Miles McBride and Derek Culver and a guy like uh, Emmett Matthews Jr. Uh, defensively, they just were not up to par, which is weird talking about a West Virginia squad. Normally, they're a really good defensive squad. But last year, they were – I mean, I guess they weren't terrible, but they was eighth in scoring defense last year, gave it up about 72 points per game. Uh, they were second in three-point percentage, though, but a lot of that was due to a guy like Sean McNeil, who's a senior coming back, who made a team high, 69 three-pointers last year, 12.2 uh, points per game. They got a guy like Isaiah Cottrell coming back uh, – coming in, excuse me, uh, big-time freshman – but um, Jalen Bridges, I said he's going to have a pretty – he should have a good year this year. Kobe Johnson, uh, he's a freshman. Uh, they got some talent, but I think they're going to take a huge hit this year, though. Yeah, I actually have West Virginia six, but for all the reasons you just said, Peyton, they're going to have to lean heavily on a guy like Jalen Bridges. Sean McNeil's a great three-point shooter. We've seen him uh, in the tournament against Syracuse. Remember him and Buddy Beheim are going back and forth. McNeil can light it up from deep, shot 38% from three. I, Gabe Osaboyan, Taz Sherman. So they've got experience that Huggy Bear likes. Packers just took a lead to Mason Crosby hit a field goal, by the way. Um, and they're bringing in some experienced transfers like Demian Kerrigan, 6'9", senior from FIU, who's a shot block rim protector. Malik Curry led Old Dominion in scoring the last two seasons. He's a 6'1 guard coming in. It just all depends on – it's one of them deals, right? You don't want to ever count Huggy Bear out because when you do, his teams are going to be physical and play hard. But are they going to have that talent, especially after losing guys like Garrett Culver, Miles McBride, and Oscar Sheboy? I don't know. I don't know. But I think they're still going to be good enough to finish sixth in the conference. Yep. So, did you have – did you say you had Oklahoma ranked seventh? Yeah, so we had a okay. flip-flop. Yeah, we had a flip-flop. I have Oklahoma ranked six. Basically the same stuff you said – um, losing guys like Brandy Manick and uh, Austin Reeves and Davion Harmon. That's three big-time players from last year's squad, uh, especially with a new coach coming in, Porter Moser. He's a good coach, but I don't know how well he's going to adapt quickly to this Big 12 conference. But they got guys coming back or coming in like Jordan Goldwire, who I've mentioned, my defensive player of the year. Defensively, they should be good. Offensively, they're going to have to be able to score the basketball which wasn't really a problem last year, but with a new coach, we'll see how well he adapts. So I got Oklahoma six. Moving up to number five, this is where I think tournament teams begin. For me, fifth, yep. I have Texas Tech, Peyton. I don't know where you've got them, but I've got Texas Tech fifth. They're losing Chris Beard, which is massive, but they did just replace him with his assistant coach, Mark Adams. Um, so that Texas Tech system will stay intact that Beard you know, built. They narrowly lost Arkansas last year, but Peyton, you look who they lose. Kyler Edwards, Matt McClung, Micah Peavy, three big-time guards for them. That's a very good defensive team traditionally under Chris Beard. I think that'll try to stay. They were the best defense in um, the Big 12 last year, even better than Baylor's as far as scoring defense goes. Yeah. Who they bring back, Marco Santos Silva for another year. Remember, he had transferred in last year from VCU. He's a walking double-double. They're going to have to rely on guard, uh, junior guard Terrence 
or Terrence Shannon Jr. started 13 games, played 28 last year, shot 35% from three, gave them 12.9, basically 13 points a game and four boards. So they've got a couple guys coming back. You know, Kevin McCuller, 10 points a game, six boards. And then they're bringing in a ton of newcomers. Daniel Baccio, six, uh, 6'11", freshman from uh, Arizona. I, I guess he must have redshirted last year from red, what I'm reading. But, look, I mean, look at all these transfers with experience. So, uh, Kalen Allen from East Los Angeles College is a big-time JUCO. Adonis Arms from Winthrop. Daniel Baccio, I mentioned, from Arizona. Sadar Calhoun, a 6'6", guard from Florida State. Ethan Duncan from Trinity Christian. Kevin O'Banner from Oral Roberts, which is big time. He is the big time uh, big man from the Oral Roberts team that made the Sweet 16, remember? And they have Max Abus. Yep. Kevin O'Banner is their big guy who has a double-double. So that's a big time piece. Davion Warren from Hampton. <laughs> Bryson Williams from UTEP. And Malik Wilson from Louisiana. So what Mark Adams has done is he's – Instead of trying to go rely on a bunch of freshmen, he's went out and got dudes that got experience. And, and that's going to help right away. That's going to help right away. Yeah, I was going to say that's exactly what you should do as your first year. That's what Chris Mack did at Louisville. That's really what Juwan Howard did for Michigan. Um, I originally had Texas Tech ranked fourth, but I'm actually going to bring them back to fifth. Why? It's because it's going to be hot times. The Texas Tech Red Raiders. <laughs> as you mentioned, the guys they lose, the three-piece – uh, the, the three guys they lose, Mac McClellan, Kyler Edwards, and Micah Peavy. And not to mention, they lose one of Josh's favorite coaches in the nation, Chris Beard. The guys they bring back, Terrence, Terrence, Jr., or Terrence Shannon Jr., Michael Santos-Silva, and a really good defender in Kevin McCuller. They got talent. They got experience. But it's Mark Adams' first year. We got to see how well he does. So I'm just being cautious with this Texas Tech squad. So I'm actually going to bring them back down to fifth. Yep, I uh, completely agree. I do think they're a tournament team, however. Top, do, four, yeah, top five, yeah. Agreed. Top four now. It would be easy for this program to take a step back after losing a generational talent like Cade Cunningham. But, Peyton, I think Mike Boynton Jr. is trying to build something fun and special in Stillwater. They lost in the second round last year to Oregon State. Of course, key losses, they lose Cade Cunningham. Um, that's, I mean, that's, of course, massive. But look at all the talent they bring back. The Cowboys bring back a bunch. Avery Anderson Jr. is back. Khalid Boone is back. Keelan Boone, the Boone brothers. The Boone brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Boone brothers. Boone uh, baby. Boone baby. <laughs> um, Bernard Kuma's back. Isaiah Leakey. What? what Lakili? I yep. think that's how you say Matt, Matthew Anderson or Matthew Alexander Moncrief. So the point is that they, they're bringing back a lot. Like, do they lose? Their best player, of course, but it could be the deal is the sum is greater than the whole, or the sum of the parts are greater than the whole, or whatever that saying is. Yeah, and and they bring in two transfers that are going to be big time pieces. Six ten sophomore Musa Cisse from Memphis, and six five sophomore guard Bryce Thompson from Kansas. Peyton. Oklahoma State has got a lot of pieces to move around. Uh, yeah, I, I think just collectively them filling in to replace what Cade Cunningham had for you. But look, they bring back 79.8% of their scoring. 
Yeah. The Cowboys returned 10 players representing 79.8% of the minutes from last year's team, especially when they were ranked as one of the youngest teams from last year. So the, the ceiling is very high for Oklahoma State this year. I agree. And um, that's why I have them fourth as well. Bringing back four of their five starters, including retain, leading returning scorer, A.V. Anderson third. Guys like Musa Cisse coming in from Memphis and Bryce Thompson coming from Kansas. Big time transfers. This team should be good. Uh, even though they lost Kate Cunningham, they at least bring back everyone else. So this team ain't bringing a couple big time players. So this team will be good. So here's where things get fun. The top three are going to battle it out. These are the top three that we said are final four contenders. I think we have them in the same order, if I'm not mistaken. We probably do. And I'm going to start this one off. That's yeah. okay. So yeah. number three, we got the defending national champions, yep. Baylor Bears. The only returning starter from last year's title team is Flo Thumba. But they still have talented players and guys like Eldrick Cryer, Adam Flagler, and Matthew Mayer coming back. And not to mention, they bring in a guy, Arizona's transfer, James Akinjo. Real quick, before you get into it anymore. Was there anybody more undervalued and underappreciated <laughs> in basketball last year, college-wise, than Matthew Mayer? What a well, defender, shot maker, like everything. Yeah, he was a do-it-all type player for them last year. But um, LSC bringing in Arizona transfer James Akinjo, who I predicted he's probably going to lead them in scoring this year. Scott Drew, he obviously loses their big-time players in Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague. Um, they lose a lot, but they still got talented players coming back and coming in. So this team, I would probably put them as a sweet 16 team as of now. Got to see how they do uh, when the season starts. But nonetheless, this top three teams are definitely, without a doubt, uh, top 25 good. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, and I have Baylor as third as well, Peyton. LJ Cryer, kid that shoots 36% from three. Adam Flagler. 43%. Zach Loveday only played 13 games last year, but shot 50% from three. Matthew Mayer, of course, we talked about 6'9 guard forward combo that can defend his ass off rebound, start the fast break, drop dimes, hit threes. There's not much that kid can do. And he has the great flowing locks. <laughs> he had great hair, by the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, then, and then you look at the big men down low, man. Uh, Jonathan Chamway Chacha and Flo Thamba protecting the rim, blocking shots, being physical, nasty down low. And then you add in a big-time scorer and James Akinjo and then the five-star freshman Kendall Brown we talked about. Uh, they're not going to be obviously as good as last season, but I think this is one of those teams that by the year's end, you're going to see Baylor creeping around as a two-seed, maybe even a one-line, and they're going to be a handful come March. I think this is going to be another very good Baylor team. My only concern, and this has been the knock on James Akinjo at every stop, at Georgetown, at Arizona last year, and I hope not at Baylor to disrupt the, the chemistry. But he's a big-time scorer, but he's been known to quit on teams if things aren't going his way. I hope for his sake and for Baylor's sake that he doesn't go down there and have a big ego and ruin what they've got building. Yeah, that's definitely a big concern, especially his history with his past two teams. Um, I think he'll come in, though. He'll probably lead them in scoring, as I said. But enough talking about them. These two teams sitting at one and two are yep. final four contenders. 
And I'm going ahead and going to start this off right now because we might have the same ones. I think we probably do. But coming out of number two, the Texas Longhorns. Yep, we do. And that, and that means Kansas is number one. So I'm a, obviously it's not a spoiler if I already said it, but or if you've been keeping up with this. This Texas squad, this team will be Kansas' biggest competitor in the Big 12 Conference. They bring back superstars and Andrew Jones and Courtney. I'll probably hey, but, but, Go ahead. Sorry. By the by the way, real quick, I'll let you finish. Who's their head coach again? Chris Beard. Chris Beard, that's right. Back while I was saying, they bring in stars, Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey back, and they bring in two big time, big time with a capital B transfers. One from Utah, Timmy Allen, who averaged 17.2 points per game and was a first-team All-Pac-12 candidate last year. And they bring in superstar. I'm not afraid to say superstar with this cat. Marcus Carr, who dropped 30 points plus four times last year. Let that sink in. He dropped 30 points plus four times last year at Minnesota and, I'll, and, I'll, and as well, they bring in a former five-star Kentucky crew, Devin Askew. This team is so damn talented. If they would have brought back a guy like Matt Coleman III, they'd be the number one team in the nation, in my opinion. But they didn't. But they still got a talent everywhere else. And, play, and plus with one of the best coaches in the nation, Chris Beard, who would develop these guys. These guys are going to be able to defend. They're going to be able to hit shots. They're going to be a very talented rebounding squad. This team is going to be so fun to watch next year. Oh, this this is a, year, go ahead. This is a team that averaged seventy four point four last season, and if you look at their roster, they are going to be very guard forward heavy. I actually think if they had brought back, could have got a Greg Brown or a Kai Jones or Jerry Sims, yeah. like another interior guy. Then yeah, that's national championship good. But Peyton, you mentioned everything, right? Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones coming back, tremendous guards. Then you bring in Timmy Allen, a 6'6 forward at Utah who averaged 17 a game. Of course, Marcus Carr, right? What didn't he do at Minnesota? You, you talk about a 6'2 guard that can score the ball, distribute, and rebound, and defend. He's a hoss, too. Have you ever seen the size of him? Dude, I wish he would have went to Louisville. He was rumored to go to Louisville, but went to Texas and said, I'm so sad we didn't get him. He's a grown man. Yeah. Um, I think another couple of transfers that you're undervaluing, you mentioned Devin Askew. Was he the greatest at Kentucky last year? No. No, he didn't live up to it. But he's also the youngest kid on that roster at the time. And he had moments. I thought he had moments. He was really good. He was patient. He was, you know, in moments where you could shoot somewhat. But I thought he had moments of brilliance. And I think as a sophomore, maybe the pressure is not be as great this year because he's going to be definitely playing behind experienced guards. He's going to have time to grow. He was a good enough defender at times. And Chris Beard's going to love that and make it even better. So I think Devin Askew is probably going to have a breakout year this year. I'm just being honest. Um, and then I think another transfer you're not talking up enough, Dylan Dissu, 6'9 forward from Vandy, can shoot. He actually averaged 15 a game for Vandy last year. Um, this team, this Texas team's loaded. You know how I much I respect and love Chris Beard as a coach. Peyton, how about this? The number seven, do you know what that represents? No, but you're going to tell me, so go ahead. <laughs> 
seven of this year's Longhorns averaged double-digit scoring last season at their respective schools. Marcus Carr, 19 a game. Trey Mitchell, 18-8. Oh, yeah, I forgot Trey Mitchell. He's coming in from UMass. Um, Timmy Allen, 17-2. Dylan DeSue, 15. Andrew Jones, 14-6. Courtney Ramey, 12-2. And then Christian Bishop, 11. So, how do you replace Greg Brown, Matt Coleman, Kai Jones, and Jericho Sims? Well, you just spread the wealth around. Texas, I'm with you. Final four, good. And actually, this magazine here, um, Athlon, actually predicts final four for Texas as well. Yeah. This tag, I, what you said about Devin Nassie is correct. The start of the year last year, he was just not good. Let's face it, he just was not good. Maybe it was due to him coming in as the youngest he came in a year earlier than we were supposed to. Um, he reclassified, but at the end, towards the end of the year, he was playing good basketball. He was making good decisions. Uh, he was hitting at least at least some shots. But yeah, I definitely think he's going to be a good uh, a good player for Texas and Chris Beard. But rounding off, back on top, back on the throne of the Big Twelve Conference is the Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas loses Marcus Garrett and Bryce Thompson, but they bring back guys like Christian Brown, Ochea Baji, and a guy like Jalen Wilson, who had a really good year last year. Not to mention they got guys like Prison Mitch, Mitch Lightfoot coming back, David McCormack coming back, and big-time transfer Remy Martin coming in from Arizona State. This team has everything they need to win another Big 12 regular season title and be a contender for their fourth national title. This team has everything you want. It's got shooting, defense, experience, got a couple of decent good freshmen coming in. <clears throat> Bill Self is on his revenge tour. Um, did not have a good year last year at all, let's just face it. So he's coming back. He wants to reclaim his throne at the top of the Big 12 conference, and I think he will. Yeah, um, Kansas is loaded for bear. <laughs> like we said about Kentucky last episode, you know, this is their revenge tour. Oche Abaji, Christian Bond, Dewan Harris Jr. is going to play backup point guard minutes. Mitch Lightfoot down low doing everything. David McCormick down low. Jalen Wilson, love the kid. I think he's got all the talent in the world. Remember in that game, first game of the year when Gonzaga beat him up, but Jalen Wilson had that really good game. Yep. Um, I think that's what he can do all year this year for them. Same thing in the excuse, same thing in the Kentucky game. He the Kentucky, Kentucky game. Up. Yep. yep. Um, and then you mentioned the newcomers, the the freshmen, Adams, Junior, Clements, Bobby Pettiford, Remy Martin, of course, is a massive one. But don't undersell Jalen Coleman Lands from Iowa State. Uh, big time guard. He shot. He shoots about forty percent from three when he was at Iowa State. And then Joseph Yesifu started at Drake. He's smaller in statue, but he makes 38.4% of threes a year ago. And it, uh, he has a floater game that could help him counteract the size of face in the Big 12. That part's directly from Athlon. I don't want to plagiarize. That's not my own words. But I'm just kind of giving a reading here. Um, but yeah, Kansas, very guard heavy, which is ironic because normally they're very big man heavy. But they don't lack in that area either. Lightfoot, McCormick, uh, Zach Clements is 6'10". So they are very deep. They're very talented. I think it's just about them just keeping poised and keeping it together. 
They had a good scoring defense last year, only giving up 66 points a game. Their scoring the last couple years for themselves has been down uh, 72-5, which is not bad, but it's not where Kansas has been. And they do lose their best overall defender, Marcus Garrett. I think, obviously, Ocheobaji is going to take over that mantle. I think it's just all about staying healthy and putting it together. I, I think that's the biggest thing. I think they're battling themselves right now. Not to mention, you talk about defense. A guy like DeWan Harris Jr., I forgot to mention him. He was he was actually second on the Jayhawks with 65 assists, despite having no starts last season. So he'll probably get a lot of minutes just because of how well he can defend and facilitate. But, yeah, this Kansas squad, I mean, it has everything you want. So I'm looking to Kansas. If they stay healthy, that's a big thing. Stay healthy. Um, it can continue on, especially guys like Jalen Wilson, if he continue his run from last year, then – there's no question that Kansas will be a uh, contention for a fourth national title and another Big 12 title. Yeah, and one thing here that's kind of interesting, too, they must fix. KU made 33.6% of its threes against D1 competition, the worst of mark of Bill Self's 18 seasons in Lawrence. Definitely got to correct the three-point shooting. The Packers just scored, by the way. We're up 16-7 now. Let's so go. go, but yeah, I think the Jayhawks are loaded to bear. I think that at the end of the season, they could be cutting down the nets. They're that good. I'm sure Cook would agree. So there you have it. There's the big 12 conference. I think it's going to be a down year for the conference. I think we're both in agreement. They're getting five in maybe six. If a West Virginia or Oklahoma steps up, but other than that, I think it's just going to be a down year capped off by, three very good teams at the top. No, I agree. I said that yesterday when we were talking to the phone, that this conference is, as far as Power 6 conference teams, they're probably last. I'm going to be honest. Or, Power, yeah, yeah, I said that right. They're probably last in the Power 6 conferences, um, especially if you take the top three teams out of the conference, and no question the last. But Kansas and Texas, final four good. Baylor's right there, sweet 16 good. Potentially could surprise a lot of people, make another final four, but – yeah, definitely very, very top-heavy. Big Ten, Big Ten's going to beat each other up like they do every season. Michigan, Purdue is going to be the top of the conference for that. But let us know your guys' predictions. I'm curious to hear y'all's predictions for the Big 12 Conference and the Big Ten Conference. But I am ready for college basketball to start. Let's go. Absolutely. As we wrap up episode 85, let's take a quick look ahead to episode 86. We continue our double dip. This time, Peyton. We go East Coast, West Coast, West meaning side. we go, we start the show off with, we're heading out to the East Coast, to the Big East Conference. Peyton Villanova's loaded a bear. Jay Wright's going to have another great team. Um, let's see if they'll have any challengers there. And then we go out to the West Coast, where arguably, maybe the number one team in the official ECB preseason poll resides. And that would be the UCLA Bruins. Peyton, what are you looking forward to when we start deep diving next week into the Big East and the Pac-12? Well, we got the Conference of Champions and the Pac-12 Conference. Two teams I'm looking for. I got to obviously do my research and everyone else. But there are two teams probably at the top of the conference. Just looking ahead uh, is UCLA and probably Oregon. But teams like UC, USC can be, potentially be up there. Oregon State had a good one last year in the tournament um as a 12 seed but the big east conference i am curious to see if there's going to be a team to stop 
Villanova from winning the conference. Maybe a team like Seton Hall, maybe a team like Marquette with a new coach of uh, Shaka Smart. But uh, we'll see how it does. Got to do our research. Hope you guys enjoyed episode 85 of the podcast. Uh, make sure y'all tune in next week. Big East and Pac-12. Absolutely. So thank you guys again for joining us for episode 85. Leave the comments below. Uh, obviously, give this a listen when you do and give it a share. Let everybody know about us as we start to make our ascent towards greatness during year four of our senior year of everything college basketball. But with that, I'm Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Burton. Go, Pat, go, and we'll see you next week for another double dip of previews. You guys have a safe and happy Sunday. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See you then. Boom. Boom.